Well, welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. We've had our winter break and as football's set to return, so are we, Callum. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? I guess I've said um, it anyway. Well, yeah, Happy New Year. It's definitely too late, but it's the first of the New Year's, uh, first show of the New Year, so I feel like it's only appropriate. Welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. Yeah, and Happy New Year to those of you maybe tuning in for the first time or new subscribers, as we did have um, a good few subscribers that um, on the back of our free T-shirt giveaway, which I am currently modelling. And Callum, you are, I've got the black version. Oh. Um, for those of you that are listening, this is totally irrelevant. But if you do follow us on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast, we will repost the link to the t-shirt where you can buy your own there is currently 25% off the t-shirt um, and we did get a thank you from the the creator of the t-shirt and um, for those of you that have bought the t-shirt maybe you were unlucky in the competition and um, so they were very thankful for the the advertisement that we we gave them and good to see the design proving popular amongst the support as well. 100%. I think I, I think I capitalised on that 25% off, actually, as well, when I ordered mine. So there we go. Thanks very much. Yeah, no problem. Um, and also, for those of you that do like a giveaway, stay tuned, as we will, in February, um, have a giveaway, again, raising money for Aber Necessities. Uh, Jack Grimmer kindly donating a match-worn signed shirt, obviously getting himself on the score sheet in midweek. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned to our social media channels for that competition. Who wouldn't want to? And he scored as well, so it's even better. Yeah, absolute worldy. Fair play to him. Mm -hmm. Top corner. So, Callum, we are back. Crowds are coming back to football. Um, thank God for that. We'll get into that a little bit later. But let's start with some transfer news. Because it's mm -hmm. fair to say uh, there's been a lot to talk about in the January transfer window. Maybe nothing in terms of coming in as yet. No doubt as soon as we finish recording this, we're doing this on Friday lunchtime. You're probably tuning in Friday evening, Saturday morning. So no doubt something's going to change very quickly after our recording. But there was a few departures. Obviously, my Longstaff departure confirmed along with Austin Samuels, both returning to Wolves and Newcastle respectively. But Cal, no real surprise on that front with both of those returning to their parent clubs. No, not really. I mean, certainly not with Matty Longstaff. Uh, that's no surprise. I mean, it will probably only be interesting to see what happens with him next at Newcastle because, well, given you know various owners owners uh, coming in, I can't imagine he will be finding himself in that starting lineup anytime soon. Um, Austin Samuels, it's maybe slightly more interesting given the fact we did have an option to buy, but given how little we've seen him recently, and I suppose maybe perhaps could could have been given more of a chance, but. He didn't really set the world alight, so no real surprise, no great loss, really. No, absolutely, but it's encouraging to see, despite the social media talk that suggested otherwise, the third loanee, Teddy Jenks, will remain on loan at Aberdeen for the remainder of the season. And for those of you that maybe checked out his interview on Red TV, you know, emphasising his desire to stay in, that's ultimately what he wanted to do. Uh, for the second part of the season, obviously the decision may have been out with his control with Brighton ultimately having the final say, but the deal has been agreed that he will stay with Aberdeen until the end of the season. And Callum, I think from what we saw just before the, the winter shut down, I think we, we can be fairly happy with Teddy Jenks staying on board for uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely, especially given the fact he actually wants to be here as well. That's obviously a massive bonus. Um, he's not someone we've seen, you know, too regularly, but 
at times, as you say, before the shutdown, he has come up with some important uh, moments. Obviously, uh, the goal at St Johnston, a couple of assists too. Um, clearly a guy with quality who I'm sure probably eventually will go on to bigger and better things. Um, but happy to have him here until the end of the season. And uh, maybe we'll see him feature a little bit more and hopefully can carry on with those important uh, contributions. Yeah, starting on Tuesday would be absolutely mm-hmm. ideal. Um, but it's also in, what I did like about that interview on Red TV was that kind of forgot really that this is his full first full season in professional football, mm-hmm. given he's been playing under 23s, obviously grabbing his first professional goal um, away at Livingston earlier in the season. But the, speaking about working with Stephen Glass this season and how that's helped him develop his game and kind of encouraging signs that maybe if we can get the, the right sort of player and certainly we're way to come on to the, the returning loanies back to Aberdeen, maybe we can see those sort of players begin to develop. Yeah, that, that'd be very, very nice. Um, it, it, the loan, loan, returning loan players are very, very interesting as well, especially given the positions they play. Um, we'll get onto that, obviously, but we're stacked. We're stacked in midfield. Um, yeah. Maybe almost have a full start 11 of midfielders. We could, absolutely. But another couple of departures before we come on to the returning loanies. Jack Gurr looking set to leave the club, no real surprise there. And then the biggest shock of them all, Ronald Hernandez looks set to stay at Atlanta. Well, Atlanta, I think, have announced him as part of their roster for, for next season, I believe. The, the club, uh, in terms of Aberdeen, not officially announcing anything, but nobody really surprised to see the departure of the Venezuelan. No, not at all. We've, been, we've heard very little uh, on him. Even when he was here, I didn't hear much about him. No. Um, I think only three starts for Ronnie Hernandez. Mm. A bizarre transfer on all counts. I thought, I thought maybe even if he wasn't going to be our player for the long term, perhaps he could have featured a little more, but not surprising. Um, seems like a nice chap. Uh, a happy bloke wish him all the best the the MLS transfers I it's honestly baffling sometimes I've got no idea how it works no absolutely not but I actually thought you were a way to call it a fraud transfer but I suppose from Aberdeen's point of view it's not worked out the way well maybe the fans would have hoped for uh, obviously the player never settled in, in Aberdeen and he's he, look wish him all the best for his future Um See, hopefully we don't have to do any more of those dodgy dealings um, for, for players coming in from Europe onbound to, to America. But speaking of players coming into Aberdeen, Connor Barron will be returning from his loan spell from Kelty Hearts, the player that I said was the one to watch out for in our awards. Not that I'm going to not mention it every time he does something good, <laughs> just to let you know, Callum. Mm-hmm. But k- kind of an exciting prospect, Connor coming in, especially with the you know, the, the the club saying that he will be involved in the first team straight away. Yeah, I think so. I think everyone sort of has high hopes um, at Pataudry for Connor Barnes. I saw some of the Kelly Hearts fans replying to sort of that announcement saying he was absolutely brilliant. He'll go on to good things and uh, wishing him all the best, which is, you know, very, very, very nice. But hopefully he can sort of kick on and uh, sort of follow in the footsteps of Calvin Ramsey, for example. But I think it's very, very exciting. I don't know, obviously, how much he'll have, how much of a role he'll have to play this season. But the fact he's involved mm-hmm. with the first team, I suppose, can only be a good thing. Learning off players such as Brown, Ferguson, whilst he's still here, perhaps a potential long-term replacement for him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, can only be a good thing. Very, very positive. 
Yeah, I suppose when you think back to earlier in the season, one of the earlier episodes we did when Dean Campbell had released an interview on Red TV to say how much he benefited um, from Scott Brown just being on the training ground and stuff he could feed off. It's a, it's a great point, Callum, that, that hopefully the likes of Connor and, and Jack McIver, who are going to come on to, will also benefit. But but Connor, 14 games for Kelty um, this season, one goal and two assists and just over a thousand minutes under his belt. It doesn't seem like a lot, but as you said, the, the Kelty fans appear to be desperately disappointed to lose him. But I suppose from Aberdeen, maybe don't expect him to play on Tuesday night. But looking ahead to this the Scottish Cup game, um, against Edinburgh City, obviously played against them twice this season. He isn't cut tied as he never featured in the Scottish Cup for Kelty. So maybe the the first chance for most of the Red Army to see him then. Is that maybe fair? I think so. I just think it's something I'd quite like to see. Um, don't want to take the uh, game against Edinburgh City too lightly, um, mm. obviously, because we've been there over the years with uh, <laughs> these kind of ties. But I think that would be a good game for him to to come in and see what he's made of. I think it's obviously the statistics, maybe you can judge them on however you like. Maybe not the most impressive, but the fact he's you know played over a thousand minutes, that's good experience playing against full-grown men uh, at such a young age and mm-hmm. playing at a pretty decent Kelly Hart side, uh, obviously at a slightly lower level than us, but yeah. good experience nonetheless. And I think it would be a good chance to see what he's about against Edinburgh City. Yeah, absolutely. And the other returning Loney is another midfielder because we are inundated with them, of course, is this one's probably gone a bit under the radar in a sense. Jack McIver coming back from Huntley, obviously playing his trade in the Highland League, similar to, to Connor, 14 games for, for young Jack but two goals and three assists mm-hmm. um, for Jack in those games. And uh, of the hasn't had as many injuries as Connor did. I think Connor missed three games for Kelty due to injury. So Jack's actually ra- racked up just over 1,200 minutes for Huntley. Um, but he will be cup tied as he played in the game at Stenhouse Muir where he did score uh, one of those goals for, for Huntley. But again, another player maybe many people haven't heard a lot about, but has obviously done enough to impress the, the first team manager and, and get his opportunity. Definitely, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know uh, <laughs> anything uh, about him alone much. But um, yeah, he went out. Obviously, went on loan to Huntley again. That can only be good experience for him playing against um, sort of more experienced players, um, playing with more experienced players too. Mm. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I thought maybe he'll be one that might end up back out on loan, um, yeah. perhaps at a higher level, as we've seen uh, with a few players. Um, that have, that have returned from loan spells and gone back out but it's exciting nonetheless it's good to see sort of these young players and even if he goes out on loan towards the back end of uh, this transfer window he'll benefit mm. also from the experience having trained with uh, the first team here yeah I think the only thing I do know about him um, is that he's the son of the guy Mez on, on Twitter you know the guy who does all the displays around the world that's the only thing yeah. that I know about him I haven't really seen much of him football balling wise but that's a, a, a silly little fact for you um, thank you but but let's look at who we've signed Callum um, certainly a signing that has caused a lot of discussion mm-hmm. uh, let's put it politely uh, Dante Polvara coming in as the highest ranked college player, um, was it Georgetown he came in from? Mm-hmm. Uh, another midfielder again. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was your initial thoughts on this signing? 
I mean, great name, first of all. Great <laughs> name. Very American. I'm all for it. Um, I mean, again, I've, I'm not going to claim to... I've seen literally about two minutes of YouTube clips of him. Mm-hmm. Um, six foot four. Notice that. That's pretty exciting. Um, big yeah. fan of a big unit in midfield. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how much he does actually feature uh, this season anyway. I don't know if he's even in the country yet, to be honest. No, um, can't, can't be certain. But I, I'm, there's a little bit of excitement based off of nothing other than the fact he's an unknown quantity coming in. And it'll be interesting to see what he's made of. I think it's trying something new rather than signing sort of League One fodder uh, from the Championship uh, from England, which, you know, hasn't worked out too well in the past. See Stephen Gleeson and Forrester. <laughs> um, but I think we have reason to be excited. I don't know how, as I said, I don't know how much he'll actually feature this season. Perhaps maybe another view for a long-term replacement for Ferguson and um, certainly looks as though uh, from the very small amount of uh, gameplay I've seen of him that he mm-hmm. does like, you know, breaking forward from midfield. I think he has uh, seven goals, six assists uh, he had for Georgetown. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, not at a particularly great level, but it's college football. It's meant to be the best uh, young footballers in America. So, I mean, there's reason to be somewhat excited there. But I'm not going to get too carried away. Good name though. And, Speaking of very, very American names, just a special mention to Tristan Traeger, second round pick of the <laughs> Super Draft in the MLS, going from USA Air Force to Atlanta United. Will we see him come all alone at one point from them? Who knows? Stay tuned to find out. Yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. When I, I thought you were going to mention him earlier when we were talking about Ronald Hernandez, but yeah. you got him in eventually. Oh, but, yeah. And it, an interesting point about the journeyman, uh, you know, the second part of the show today, um, when I catch up with uh, Alan McCarley from Australia, he, he mentioned the exact same thing, Callum, about this sort of signing is a, a low risk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we won't have invested loads of money and he's probably with the greatest of respect. He's not going to be on the highest of wages nope. um, compared to some of our other players, you, the likes of Ferguson, Brown, Ramirez even. So in terms of the, the spending that we are putting into this player, there is low risk, but potential for high reward if he comes with the hype that, that has been talked about. <sighs> The YouTube highlight reel, that's easy to pick your your best clips. Anybody can do it. I remember when you need to just need to look at Chidi and Wakali when he signed, you know, his highlight reel was screamers from 20 yards and he didn't exactly set the header on fire when, when he came here. But, you know, previous winners of the Herman Trophy that, that um, Dante found himself winning was, was Andrew Gutman, who... People may, may um, remember as the ex-Celtic player, won that back in 2018. And then, of course, current Dundee United midfielder Ian Harks. Um, he's gone on to do all right for himself. I mean, there isn't exactly a great track record um, of those people setting the, the header on fire, as I said. But I was kind of looking through previous winners and seeing where they are now. There was one previous winner, Robbie Robinson. He's currently at Inter-Miami, played 36 games for them so far this season. It might just be that we don't know about them because they're all currently still playing their trade in the MLS. And we're just a bit, you know, blinker to, to that side of, of the world and that, that footballing environment. But look, he's a young guy and it's it obviously fits in with the, the new mantra that the club are going down on attracting young talent developing them and then selling on for profit so we've just got to see how he gets on certainly I think there is a sense of sort of intrigue there 
Um, mm. it, it'll be interesting. We're trying something new. I mean, when Hearts signed, for example, Cammy Devlin from uh, from Australia, they probably yeah. knew very little to nothing about him, and he's performed very, very well for them. So, um, yeah, not going to write him off. I'm not going to do that, but I am a little bit excited just to see how it goes. It's something new, something different. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel the the signing justified this some of the overreaction that was um, getting branded about on on social media. But um, what would uh, an Aberdeen tweet or Facebook post be without a bit of overreaction? Of course, exactly. It's what we do. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we've got to moan about something if there's nothing else. Well, true, and yeah, but the football, yeah, let's be honest, there was no football to complain about, nothing like that, so... Mm, don't speak too soon. <laughs> well, yeah. yes, we'll get on to that, oh dear, this could be fun. Um, obviously, any transfer window comes with rumours, Callum, so let's look through some of the rumours, some of the names that have been linked to the club. Let's start with the goalkeeper, Xander Clark, current St Johnston number one, and being on the fringes of the Scotland squad as well. He's been linked with a pre-contract move to Aberdeen, uh, along with Dungeon United also vying for his signature. I've seen a bit of mixed reaction online to the potential or rumoured signing of Xander Clark, some people being a bit against this, the signing. Um, personally, I don't really get the the people that are in that camp. I think he's a, a quality keeper. He's probably um, done a lot for St. Johnson this season in terms of keeping them in the games. Yes, I know the game against us, we were very critical of him not playing to the whistle, but he's obviously got hopes of being in, in the squad, Scotland squad. But would you be opposed to him signing for Aberdeen? Certainly not, especially uh, on a free, on a pre-contract. I would be happy with that. It's someone who, I'm not saying he's going to come and, you know, immediately become our number one, but it's certainly a better mm-hmm. upgrade on Gary Woods. He's going to push Joe Lewis, perhaps he could easily um, take his place. It's it's another one that's pretty low risk, I would guess. And mm-hmm. as I say, for him, it's probably the type, sort of right move at the right time. Um, it'll be interesting to see with... Benji uh, Seagrest, whose contract's up at sort of the end of the season, rumoured going to Rangers, perhaps. Mm. Uh, Xander Clark might prefer then to go to Dundee United if that does happen, because that's basically a guaranteed starting spot. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, it's, I'm not concerned about it. it. I think we're right to have a sniff around him. Um, and if he did come in, I think I'd be fairly happy with that, whether it's to push Joe Lewis or to take his place. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I kind of agree on that that sentiment. And, you know, I've seen some people about saying that, you know, it would halt or or hinder the, the progress of, of Tom Ritchie. But I think if, you know, you're going to be chucking him into the, the fold in next season, he's not going to be our number one next mm. season. But at least, you know, Xander Clark could quite easily be whether or not that would be the case if he was to sign a pre-contract. And I think... The, the point you make, I think, will a lot will depend on what happens with Seagrest uh, at Dungeon United. He might view the op- he would rather be a guaranteed starter, mm-hmm. and that might not necessarily be the case um, at Aberdeen, but one to watch for sure. I think so. Um, just sorry on Tom Rich as well. Yeah. Uh, it, goalkeepers have a very, very long career span, mm-hmm. and often you see it takes a little bit more time for them to develop uh, as well, but. It, it's a benefit in terms of towards the end of their career uh, they're sort of not in their prime until a little bit later on so I think Tom Ritchie maybe it probably is too soon for him but it, to bring him in get him involved with sort of Xander Clark and Joe Lewis then perhaps benefiting from loan spells elsewhere gaining first some experience yeah. at maybe a lower level um, maybe that's sort of a, 
a better path to go down in terms of um, looking at the long term. I don't think Xander Clark's going to be, you know, he's not going to be the long term solution for a vet for no. the next 10 years or whatever. But in terms of the short term, um, certainly could be, especially, you know, with Joe Lewis at times, his form has gone a bit uh, over the shop. So I say mm-hmm. perhaps if he pushes him even then, not a bad signing. Yeah, no, I absolutely actually just took the words out of my mouth that I was going to say, because, you know, the point you made about Connor Barron coming in and learning off of Scott Brown, that would be another high quality keeper for Tom Ritchie to, to learn off. And again, there was a, a kind of segment on Connor Barron, Jack McKenzie and Tom Ritchie on Red TV. Mm-hmm. And Tom Ritchie highlighted the fact that he's training with Aberdeen most of the time mm-hmm. yes he goes and does his, his training with with Huntley when he was there as well but he's still in and around the first team so getting to learn and getting exposure to to a first team environment and if you brought in another high quality goalkeeper that he could learn off of as well that's only going to help his development as you say they've got long careers so yeah, it's just going to be one of those ones to watch really but mm-hmm. The main area I suppose to watch currently for Aberdeen fans is around that midfield area. We're inundated with them, but we might see one of them depart. Ryan Hedges is rumoured to be close to signing for Blackburn. Um, Blackburn keen to get the deal done this window. As we've touched on, this might be false information by the time some of you are are tuning into this this, uh, episode. But Callum, the figure being reported was 150,000 to take Ryan to Blackburn immediately, um, as opposed to a pre-contract. What is your view on that? Would you just be happy to take the money and cash in, or is he too valuable to us in terms of a push to get higher up the league and, and get us into Europe um, come the summer? It's an interesting one. I think if you look at in terms of his consistency, perhaps that's been questioned over the time. But the value of £150,000 compared to potentially if we have him till the end of the season and then, you know, perhaps winning a Scottish Cup, for example, not saying it's going to happen, but having him here is probably uh, going to increase the chance of that. And certainly in terms of gaining a European uh, qualification spot as well, hmm. I would be hesitant in terms of you know, taking that money now, it's not it's not like life-changing uh, yeah. amounts, is it? Um, but I suppose then if that 150k is then reinvested immediately in terms of getting a replacement in, then that's perhaps what they're thinking in terms of someone who's going to be here for the long term, be as well, getting them in now and having this extra six months see mm. Jamie McGrath, perhaps. Yeah, and I suppose I think it was about 400,000 we, we turned down uh, in the summer from Blackburn, I believe, um, which was definitely derisory at the time. Mm-hmm. given the importance that Ryan had to us the season before. But you make the good point there, Jamie McGrath, it seems that Aberdeen are closing in on a, a pre-contract for his signature, which I think is a very big statement, um, You know, getting someone of his quality in terms of the league uh, into our team. But the, again, the rumoured figure around him getting coming into Aberdeen this month is 350000 But for me, it's pretty excessive to, mm. to get Jamie in now and I think you know the the club seems to have kind of put their foot down on look we're going to get these young guys in and kind of develop some talent between now and the end of the season then you know if that was the outlook that they had and came out with that I think a lot of fans potentially would get behind that I think so I, I do feel getting 150,000 for Ryan Hedges and then proceeding to have to pay uh, uh, 350,000 for Jamie Grad. Something doesn't quite add up there considering it's yeah. very similar situations, uh, basically the same situation. I do agree in terms of 
sort of using that time, I guess, to develop players. Maybe that's why we're seeing, you know, obviously perhaps Hedges going out, but then mm. a few players coming in between sort of Baron, Paul Vara, McKeever, if he's involved uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Then between them, perhaps that fills that slot, even maybe not in terms of quality, but the experience could do them wonders in terms of going forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that the midfield has been the, the area where most of our transfer speculation comes around. Um, Lewis Ferguson seems to be quite quiet on on that front. Maybe something that might pick up towards the, the back end of the, the, the window. But Dean Campbell, another player that's been linked with moves away from the club, albeit loan moves, Forest Green Rovers, um, top of League Two just now, and, and Bolton Wonders as well, also being linked with moves for the midfielder. But given the recent appointment that Kilmarnock made during the time that we were away, um, Mr. McInnes finding himself back in the dugout, would a, a low move to Killy be off the cards for Dean Campbell, possibly, Colin? It wouldn't surprise me uh, if that sort of thing did happen. Obviously, they've just signed Ashton. Um, which yeah. <laughs> an interesting, very unsurprising, and yet I still don't expect it. Um, yeah. Good signing for them for the championship. A permanent signing as well. I know. And also, if India Taylor, uh, I know you said this to me, but if India Taylor thought Aberdeen was bad, just wait till she gets to Ayrshire. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, a good signing for them, very, very good. Um, I suppose. But regardless, Dean Campbell, I would probably be a, quite a beneficial move in terms of going there playing uh, regular football at the top end of the championship probably would expect Kilmarnock to get promoted uh, one way or another um, now especially if they go the way they're going with the signings um, but also I think going and testing himself uh, even if it's the lower leagues of England you know League 1, League 2 I don't think that would be uh, a particularly bad idea as well something to challenge him a little bit more um, something very very different um, he'd have to become a vegan, I think, if he went to Forest Green Rovers. Um, another challenge for him, perhaps. Don't quite know uh, Dean Campbell's uh, dietary uh, requirements <laughs> right now, but um, <laughs> it would be interesting. Um, I would probably rather he went down there rather than playing for McKinney. Also, how much is McKinney going to use him? I know he liked to use him uh, yeah. occasionally as a substitute uh, at Com- uh, when he was up here, but you know, it's, we, we'll see. It's one to watch, certainly, especially with the influx of midfielders that we are interested in and currently have brought in. Yeah, and I tend to agree. I think you would benefit more going down south because just for exactly the same last point that you made, McInnes didn't exactly use him in abundance when he was here. Mm. So that would maybe be a concern if he was to go to Kilmarnock. Will he benefit from continuous game time? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. You look at what the the loanies had when they came up here it's not it's not going to be any benefit of them if they're not going to actually have any game time so look to especially when Bolton are obviously I think in and around the playoffs of of League One or or maybe they were previously but you know maybe a promotion push there and similar for Forest Green you know kind of being in that sort of challenge Mm -hmm. um, a proper fight a different league different style I think that would benefit him a lot more um, than just just going and being with someone that you used to. Go outside your comfort box Mm. uh, and see see if you can challenge yourself a bit more. But in terms of replacements for for Ryan Hedges, maybe more cover. Aberdeen have been linked with plenty of midfielders so far this January transfer window. Ryan Broom, currently on loan at Plymouth Argyle from Peter Ray United, um, managed by Alex Ferguson's son, Darren. Um, Three goals he scored 
uh, on loan at the Pilgrims so far, a Welshman as well. So maybe like for like in, in terms of replacing Ryan Hedges. Called Ryan, um, <laughs> named after another inanimate object, Hedges Broom. Pretty good. Uh, that would be interesting. Welsh. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. That would be interesting. Um, not got good history signing players from uh, Peterborough United to see Chris Forster. Um, that would be an interesting one. That's two mentions he's had in this episode. You didn't see that come on, did you? No. Um, another player, can't say I know too, too much about him. Mm. Um, interesting, he's on loan at Plymouth as well. Probably be a very hard deal to negotiate, especially if we were to bring him in now, because we'd have to yeah. be cancelling the loan deal, taking over uh, a transfer deal. But mm-hmm. um, totally interesting. Also, former Plymouth players, uh, Johan Foley, uh, Rory Fallon, Chris Clark, Chris Clark. Yeah. So Arneson. There you go. So we've got a history with them. Um, I'd say probably maybe a slightly better history with them than Peterborough United, but um mm. I don't think they're I don't think Stephen Glass is going to base his decision off that. <laughs> no. But um, just look at all the throwbacks you're managing to throw in here. Mm. This is a trip down memory lane. Mm. But we're gonna to go to former Falkirk midfielders because they've been linked with Aberdeen. Um, currently at Lincoln is 26-year-old Connor McGrandles, scoring two goals for the Imps this season. And Jay Fulton, former Falkirk, currently at Swansea, but found himself out of favour um, under the new manager. Um, just the four appearances for him this season. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really, again, don't know too much about them, but it's not really names that strike out and think, yeah, we'll definitely want to see them signing for, for the club more just kind of backup. Is, is that harsh? I don't know. Yeah, I've obviously I don't regularly watch these players and see the calibre. Um, mm. Names I've seen a lot on Football Manager, that when I've been <laughs> managing Aberdeen in particular, they always seem to be about, and I consider signing them, then usually don't. But um, not that that means anything. They don't. They don't excite me too much in terms of you know they've obviously played at a higher level than uh, Paul Vara, but with that with his young age and sort of more of an unknown quantity that sort of gets me excited. Whereas you know players that are mid to late twenties um, coming again from you know English Championship, League One, League Two, doesn't really mm. get me going. It doesn't um, fill me with excitement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine if they come in, but. I'm, I'm wanting more. I want a little bit more. Yes, it's another South American talent, please. <laughs> here's us. Here's us moaning about a signing when we said um, there's nothing to even moan about, or when we were speaking about know. Dante that we're neither here nor there. But it's Russell Martin that's the current Swansea manager. It was really bugging me that I couldn't get his name out when I was thinking of it earlier. But I remember Jay Fulton from his time at Falkirk. He was in around the team with Will Volks and Craig Sibold, and mm-hmm. when they were, you know, kind of on the their promotion push in the, the championship, but and not before where they are just now. And he was a kind of part of that exciting midfield, but like I said, I don't know really what he's been up to at, at Swansea. I know he's found himself out of favour, but again, 27 year old, it's not, he's not particularly towards the end of his career, maybe coming with a point to prove, but again, so the wages that probably these clubs can currently hold on the players Mm-hmm. It'd be hard to kind of match in terms of a signing, but would we be looking maybe at a six-month loan for these sort of players? I don't know. And again, I don't know if that's beneficial for, for us in, term, in terms of the yeah. long term uh, neither. And also they're not gonna they're not gonna come in and you know change our season 
are they? They're no. not those type of players. Jay Fulton, perhaps you really would have taken, well, both him and Conor McGrandles, if perhaps before they left Falkirk, uh, then was mm. sort of the time you would have maybe have liked seeing yeah. them. But now it's not it's not filling me with great confidence. But it's interesting that we keep <clears> being linked to centre midfielders and things mm. when clearly I think we need another striker uh, to help things out. And I've not seen anything on that front. No. And I think as well, had we not already recalled Connor Barr and Jack, mm-hmm. I, I would have maybe been, you know, a bit more enthused by the possibility of signing th- these guys that we've mentioned. But if we're going to develop our own talent and our own, you know, homegrown players, I'd rather just do that than, you know, people are speaking about, you know, hindering Tom Ritchie if you bring in Xander Clark. Well, you're mm-hmm. potentially hindering Connor and Jack if you bring in. Uh, Connor McGrandles and Jay Fulton. So it'll be, in, especially if they're coming in on, on loan, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But those are the rumours. And I suppose it would be rude not to mention Calvin Ramsey. Um, slapped with a four million price tag. Um, not sure if that's a realistic value or if he's being slightly undervalued by the club, but obviously a host of clubs. Um, showed initial interest and it's gone a bit quiet let's be honest I wasn't sure when we were going to record this episode if we were going to be speaking about him already leaving the club but maybe something again like Lewis Ferguson that will kind of heat up towards the, the back end of the transfer window Almost certainly when we've got important games coming up uh, that's bound to happen um, mm-hmm. I think yeah well apparently we're not in a position where we need to sell Calvin Ramsey which is you know always good I'd like to see him stay um, in terms of he went down to England, you'd probably like you probably end up seeing him sort of playing for the under twenty threes down there. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. players don't develop uh, that way, but you're better off playing um, first team football against fully grown men uh, and things like that. But in, in terms of the teams I have seen him link with, if we were going to sell him, Bologna, make that happen. Imagine him on one side, Hickey on the other. That would be great. Yeah, it'd be well certainly be an interesting one. I know the Bologna fans are certainly. Um, all up in uh, Calvin's Instagram comments, trying to persuade him to to come to come over there. But but what do you make of that that price tag? Would four million be seen as good money for the club? I know people are trying to compare the value that that Calvin uh, that's been you know associated with Calvin compared to what Nathan Patterson went. But you know people are maybe going to disagree with this, but Nathan Patterson's got a league's winner medal. He's played in the group stages of Europe. He's also got Scotland caps under his belt, full Scotland caps, not just under 21. They're immediately going to increase his value in comparison with Calvin. Yes, I know Calvin Ramsey's played more first team minutes this season, but what, what Nathan Patterson had on his CV will increase his value. I don't think we'll ever get 16 million plus for Calvin Ramsey and anyone that thinks we will is definitely delusional. But personally, I think 4 million is maybe a bit on the undervalue side of Calvin Ramsey. I certainly think so. You're definitely right. In terms of between Calvin Ramsey and Nathan Patterson, the difference in quality is very minimal. If perhaps given the fact how much Calvin Ramsey's played, you'd maybe say he's of better quality. But as you say, the things like playing for Scotland, et cetera, et cetera. If we do get to the World Cup, Parsons probably going to be uh, mm-hmm. starting right back in that tournament. Um, that Those just automatically boost the value. And the fact it's Rangers as well, they can probably automatically demand sort of a bigger fee. Yeah. Um, but four million, I do think that is sort of unavailable, especially given the amount of money that goes on down there in England. The amount of times we've seen um, derisory bids, sort of we mentioned Lewis Ferguson earlier, the 
bid mm. Watford came in with uh, just far too low. Um, four million. We could, I think, double that. I mean, and, and mm. that's still half of what Everton paid for Nathan Patterson. And but, I suppose we might even see. I remember when Scott McKenna was linked with Aston Villa. Mm. I can't remember what the initial figure was, but it was rising to. Was it seven million or something, something like, like that? that? Yeah, you know, we might even see a let's say it's five or six million up front mm-hmm. rising to eight or nine based on, on Scotland call ups, yeah. promotion, or qualifying for Europe, de- depending who or where he goes. And I think the only thing that can benefit Aberdeen is a bidding war. And I think right now the club are in a fortunate position that he has a lot of potential suitors, mm-hmm. um, and that can only help drive up the price but I guess it doesn't matter the price obviously the player would then have to decide where he prefers mm-hmm. to, to go to as well so certainly one to watch um, over the next couple of weeks and we've got a lot of games coming up um, over the next couple of weeks Calm. so not only will it be a busy time for Calvin and the rest of the first team but it'll be a busy time for us um, with this um, Tuesday, Saturday run of games coming up. So for those of you that are maybe watching, um, hit that subscribe button, get that notifications on because we will be doing a lot of live episodes um, as we tend to do in reacting to the, the midweek games um, just to get the episodes out as quickly as possible to you guys. Um, but audio will then be released in the, the evening uh, as we have been doing previously, as we did in December, normally around five, six o'clock on that, that Wednesday day after the game. Uh, obviously, I'm going to say hangover permitting after the Ross County game, um, but we will we will get there in the end. So, Callum, the football is back. Mm-hmm. Crowds, full crowds are back as well. The right decision? I think so, yeah. Uh, certainly just very excited for that to be the case. If they brought these games back and there was limited crowds, I think it just would have been just frustrating in terms of just actually not being able to go there and enjoy them. And mm. certainly become makes for a better spectacle in terms of this game against Rangers. If it's you know in front of fifteen thousand or whatever uh, it ends up being, it just makes for a more enjoyable experience whether you're there or, or whatever. And also probably gives us more of a chance uh, of actually getting a result. So yeah. very happy. Yeah, a lot more hatred from the stands, a lot more atmosphere, and you know, just these games especially need a, a big crowd. But um, it's the start of uh, eight games in twenty-five days, and they said it's going to be a, a good crowd. I was, I was at the the Brecon for Martin game the the other week, and that was played supposed to be played in front of five hundred, definitely um, a few more th- than that. But you know, even then. Just these sort of games, they need crowds just to get any any sort of thing going, and I think we're really going to benefit from that full crowd in what will be the first game that we've played back um, since the Boxing Day win over Dundee. And, and Callum, we we kind of struggled after a bit of a long layoff, eleven days from when we travelled to to Easter Road. Will that layoff maybe affect us slightly uh, on Tuesday night against Rangers? Yeah, I was I was thinking about that. Um, I was like, oh, it'll be great because they'll be buzzing to play in front of like a full crowd again after a layoff. Um, having enjoyed the festive period, unlike me who had actually after getting that game uh, that game against uh, Hibs, so that was fun. But I did think of then also about I thought that about the Hibs game, uh, the bit of the layoff there, which is a bit of a problem. But I'd like to think that 
a big crowd at home against Rangers. They know what's at stake. A chance to sort of lay down a marker, perhaps, and hopefully they will be ready and raring to go. Um, particularly if they're playing for a move elsewhere. Hopefully, uh, regardless <laughs> of that, they could put in a fantastic performance. Um, it'll be an interesting one, for sure. Yeah, and, and certainly during that layoff, many of us were invested in the, the Ramirez family holiday down oh, to yeah. London. That was a great way to, to pass the time. Well, certainly more so for you, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and hopefully he can hit the ground running uh, on the return. But if there is any, you know, lack of match sharpness or players you know physically struggling there is the return of five subs to the premiership um starting on tuesday what are your thoughts on that return of five subs i think it's probably beneficial um certainly for us we've got you know plenty of players uh that that can come off the bench uh for the most part and also in terms of regard going to see you know these the covid cases um as they continue to rise I think I don't know but uh, we will probably see these problems in future I mean mm-hmm. I highly doubt we're going to make it through uh, the rest of the season without um, players uh, missing out and things it just gives a, a bit more of a, a bit more leeway in, in terms of that and getting sort of getting other players involved when there's going to be congested fixture schedules um, yeah. I think it, it is probably beneficial and a wise move by the Scottish football football governing bodies, which you know it's not like them, so I've got to give them yeah. credit. Yeah, which is interesting given Alan Burrow's thoughts on the move, saying it's kind of unfair to reintroduce that. It's only going to benefit the the bigger teams, um, which maybe we saw last season in the the closed door games. Um, but I think you you make a good point there about the the COVID cases. Something I I hadn't really considered if teams have got. Um, you know, suffering with that. And also given the fact that after that long layoff, they're going straight into eight games in 25 days, managers are probably going to be delighted to have that opportunity. And um, I was listening to a show last night and they, the only thing that they said is the possible downside of it, it may make certain games feel like a pre-season game mm, um, yeah. because of the continuous stoppages. I assume it will be like last time where you have the three opportunities to... Um, three stoppages to mm-hmm. make that that change obviously could potentially be six different stoppages for for substitutes substitutions alone so we're interested to see how that affects the flow of games well that's the case anyway i suppose if teams both teams make three individual True. substitutions so it's almost supposed to add up i think that is very smart to have that as the three the three stoppages and um, if the manager you know, remembers yes that's very true hopefully Stephen Glass will do so but also it means we're probably quite likely to see the return of super Stephen Glass's half-time changes because he's got more yes. options later on in the game as well so can't wait for that buzzing yeah a very good point there looking uh, to the game itself from an Aberdeen point of view Callum no suspensions to uh, take into this game I was going to say no real injury concerns, but there is a concern around Marley Watkins, obviously pictured being on crutches with his uh, ankle in one of them like space boots. Mm-hmm. No word officially from the club around um, his injury. I know seen a few things online about him being out potentially for the season. Um, given the way him and Christian Ramirez were linking up prior um, to the winter shutdown, that's going to be a big blow and probably to go back to a point you made earlier, might emphasise the need for a striker this window. 
Certainly, and even more of concern when you consider the fact that Ryan Hedges might not feature as well. Um, even oh, if he's still, I didn't even, even think that. There you go, Camigo. Even if he's still an Aberdeen player, with all the speculation if he is in talks with uh, mm. Blackburn, then you know he might not feature, they might not want him to be injured, and his head might not be in the right place as well. Um, so it is a big concern. Hopefully, as we say, uh, it's not out for the season for Marley Watkins. I think almost probably certain to miss... Um, the return of football um, but it does emphasise that fact that we do need another forward option I think another striker and another sort of support role uh, player as sort of head, uh, Hedges and Watkins have been doing because there's a lot of expectation put on Christian Ramirez basically uh, mm-hmm. and as at times you know it's highly unlikely that he's going to score every single week we need other options we need someone who can chip in with sort of even if it's five goals between now and the end of the season uh, just someone who can add a bit of contribution in terms of that because uh, we have at times struggled to take these sort of chances and just maybe someone that offers something a little bit different and um, we perhaps thought that Austin Samuels might be that more mobile player and um, mm-hmm obviously didn't work out but just someone who offers a little bit different another option would be would be nice yeah I hadn't actually considered Ryan Hedges not not playing for the, the reasons you suggested and just thinking to how the, the team might line up will we see J. Emmanuel Thomas um, come into the into the starting 11 or will we see Teddy Jenks kind of pushed a bit further forward kind of like what we did against St Mirren mm-hmm. um, where he played in a more advanced role and looked very good actually I thought um, in that game and you know I did say earlier in the episode we might not see Connor Barron um, play on Tuesday night but actually given what you've just stated mm-hmm. um, and having forgotten about Marlon Watkins injury until two minutes ago um, we might in fact see him because he has been playing um, more recently and will have that that much uh, sharpness in his leg but you never know Stephen Glass and his soccer reds might have something lined up their sleeve as a, as a wee surprise for us all absolutely any team could come out uh, yeah. an hour before kickoff. who knows what it's going to be but it's yeah it's a good point about Conor will we see a Craig Story versus Celtic ex-esque performance uh, there who knows but um, I think I would like to see probably Teddy Jenks come in maybe over uh, J. Manuel Thomas because I would like for example when Rangers are on the ball at the back um, someone who's a bit more mobile more likely to go and aggressively press them with Christian Ramirez um, mm. perhaps you know Teddy Jenks is maybe the answer and also he does have so that sort of creative spark that we can see and also if he's yeah. in there then we might see you know Ferguson being more likely to push on as well if Hedges and Watkins both miss out um, which then might create room as you say for someone like Conor Barron or someone to come in who might be more likely to sit with um, Scott Brown or Dylan McGeoch is he fit? can't quite remember well according to transfer market he's not going to be fit for the game but we never know we might get rushed back for it um, to, to help sit in that midfield because he did put in mm-hmm. a good performance at Ibrox but Craig's story fucking hell what a shit career he ended up having remember wow. before the game got cancelled he was looking for a ticket in the away end that's how bad yeah. his career has gotten I, into but. I really hope I get to see him at the fence that would be fantastic <laughs> if, if we see him at the fence I would love that so much mm-hmm. uh, you use the term career there very loosely I don't even know if he's still playing football to any level uh, if nowadays. he is he's probably even like juniors or like yeah. Sunday league at best which is mental considering he strolled that game against Celtic. It's so crazy to think he went from that and you know apparently turning down Man United to where he is now. Uh, yeah. Hopefully at the fence so I can abuse him. That'd be good. Yeah. 
Well, you enjoy that on Tuesday if you see him. But Thanks. speaking of Rangers, um, they themselves are coming up north with a few injury concerns. Philip Hollander and Liam Balgan um, currently out injured, as is Ryan Jack, who's disappointed about that. Nobody. Um, and Joe Rebo, probably the, the bright spark for Rangers in recent weeks under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, is currently missing due to being at the African Cup of Nations. Um Probably a benefit for us, given the form that Aribo found himself in before before Christmas. Yes, definitely. I think that is a, a, a big a big miss for them. Um, as as you mentioned, probably the biggest loss. Um, hopefully, however, looking at that, they might have somewhat of a makeshift back four. Obviously, they still have capable players, but they, they're without Nathan Patterson, who could potentially come in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, another player, but however. I've got to mention him, unfortunately, despite Jack not playing. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. And he scored against St Mirren as well uh, in the yeah. last game on Boxing Day. Um, well, we see Scott Wright, Serpent Wright starting. I'm ashamed to share a name with him, but um, he could <laughs> potentially start up Daudry, um, which would be a very, very interesting one. That would certainly uh, liven things up even further. I'd like to see him try and take a corner at the Red Shed. Um, on Tuesday night if he is starting let alone actually not even a warm-up how much Andy Halliday shot himself when he had to do his warm-up in front of the Red Shed that'll be uh, an interesting one for for him um, come Tuesday night not that we're condoning anything just a mere observation no exactly that is all and also on the mention Um, of Andy Halliday sorry can he shut his mouth about Calvin Ramsey please (laughs) what's that about you're playing for hearts what's going on (laughs) What, what is it with former Rangers players and you, well, actually, it's a point you made, um, Calvin Ramsey. I wonder what he'll get linked with coming up to a big game. We play yeah. Rangers on Tuesday, Good and of point. course, a former Rangers player has to bump his gums um, about him potentially joining Rangers or them getting involved in that. But he's currently playing for Hearts. What does it matter for him who Calvin Ramsey joins? Um, so yes, I'm sure there'll be a lot of paper talk around most of our key assets. Um, coming up to this game uh, on Tuesday, but definitely one that looking forward to with the return of crowds. And as I said, um, we'll be back on on Wednesday uh, lunchtime um, with the review of the game. Um, hopefully something decent to talk about, Callum, or it could be a, a painful episode. And then, of course, looking um, ahead to the Scottish Cup tie against Edinburgh City um, next weekend as well. But in part two of today's episode, I catch up with friend Alan McCarley about life in Sydney, growing up as an Aberdeen supporter, and whether or not, as Aberdeen currently explore America for young talent, is there anything in Australia that Aberdeen can keep an eye on? Well, Alan, welcome to Red Tinted Glasses. I would say it's good morning, but it's good evening for you. Um, hope you're doing well over in Australia. Yeah, good good evening um, from Australia and uh, good morning to you back in uh, sunny Scotland. Glenn. It is, it is sunny, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's a, it's a rarity, but no, a pleasure to get you on, Alan. Obviously, I, um, I first in, met with you about four years ago when you made your trip home uh, with this uh, with your son for the Scottish Cup final in 2017 which we'll we'll come on to but what I wanted to do with you today was kind of get a feel for what life's been like for you living abroad and following the Dons but also kind of hear about the Australian football scene because there's been a lot of talk recently um, about Aberdeen being involved with America obviously we've seen the recent signing of Dante Polvara but 
is there maybe talent that we can exploit over in Australia? Obviously, we're seeing Hearts recently making a couple of signings from the A-League. So just get a discussion on, on your life down under, but also the Australian football scene, because I know you're involved in that being a season ticket holder at Western Sydney Wonders, but also you do some football coaching as well. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, definitely there's a market over here and uh, I'd love to sort of talk about it um, a little bit later. Yeah, so we'll, we'll start at the, the beginning and, and kind of want to hear about how you fell in love with the Dons because you didn't actually grow up in Aberdeen. No, I'm not an Aberdonian. I actually grew up um, sort of halfway between Glasgow and Edinburgh in Lanarkshire, very close to uh, Hart Hill, which everyone knows really for the service station. And I grew up on a farm there. And um, actually my, my brother and most of my cousins were staunch sort of Rangers fans, but, you know, and I never wanted to go that way. And I wasn't allowed to go to the Celtic side given uh, the west of scotland thing so i plumped for aberdeen and you know i think i've got a scarf going back to 1980 when we won the league and i would only have been about five or six at the time so it's sort of been in me for a very long time and it's it's probably in me more and uh, now more than ever mm. yeah it was and so what's kind of your first memory then of of supporting aberdeen you've said you're quite a young age what's your earliest memory look Probably '83, winning the European Cup, mm. Winners' Cup. I can still, I can still picture myself. I know exactly where I was sitting on the couch. I know where the TV was. You know, back then we used to move the TV around in the living room. My mum thought it was like going on holiday or something. I don't <laughs> know, but I still remember what side of the couch was on, where the TV was, and, and it's very vivid that '83 final. But look, I remember going to a few games, local, maybe Motherwell or, or Airdrie games with some friends, maybe from school. Uh, but it probably wasn't until um, I hit sort of 16 where I was able to go up to Pataudry and, and actually I joined the supporters club. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a member at Lynn Lithgow uh, for a couple of years and I was a member at Capital 1903. So that's probably around sort of 88, 89, 90 through those sort of years mm. uh, when I really started attending Pataudry uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, what, what was it like, those supporters trips up the road then? Uh, look, <laughs> I busted my my mum and dad, you know, for years and, and I was told, wait till you're 16 uh, before you can join the supporters club. And... Um, just, you know, it was amazing. You know, my mum would have to drive, sorry, 40 minutes to Linlithgow and drop me off at the Asda and you'd get on the bus and then off you went um, up to Pataudry and it was just this mad adventure um, that, you, that, that, that we all know now and we all love, but yeah. for a sorry 15, 16-year-old, it was amazing just to go up there, uh, some cracking away days through in Edinburgh, through in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... But most fondness was the, the, the trips up to Pataudry. Yeah, I suppose kind of a, a pilgrimage and almost every day was an away day for you then, well, every weekend. It was. It was, It was. you know, down that area, it was a sort of two and a half, three hour trip, you know. And then when I got back home, um, I used to have to sort of, you know, I think I used to ring from the phone box at the fourth road bridge <laughs> or something like that. And then my mum or dad would have to leave home and then come and pick me up. And by that time, it must have been like eight or nine o'clock at night mm. uh, from Linlithgow. 
Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, that's what we do for our team, isn't it? And uh, yeah. I've got massive memories of that time. Yeah, and, and good also to still see the, the Capital 1903 Supporters Club still going strong um, even yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, I stumbled across it, I think, on Instagram or something just, just not that long ago. And, mm-hmm. you know, I like the posts and follow them and stuff. But, I, look, I, it's, it's a long time ago from me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I think it was with them when we went through, uh, you know, I remember when we lost to Rangers the last day of the season where we nearly mm-hmm. won the league. It was sort of with them then. And then also, you know, happier times when they won the League Cup in mm. 89 and then the Scottish Cup in 90. Um, yeah. they, were, they were two amazing games. I mean, I remember, you know, just being behind the goal with that penalty shootout, mm. you know, for the, the most boring Scottish Cup final <laughs> in history. You know, I think they just introduced penalties not that long mm. before it. Oh, we'll go to penalties, not a replay. And of course, it goes to pe- penalties and it was a drab nil-nil. But I remember being behind that goal and just, you know, the tension. I think, I don't think I've ever felt anything, you know, like that. I remember, and I'm sure, you know, I don't know if you were there or if you were alive. I wasn't even then. born by then. I wasn't born, Jesus. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I still remember, you know, Theo Stelders and pumping up the crown because, you know, the Celtic fans were booing, um, oh, what's the boy's name? The young boy, um, Graham, I think. Graham. Um, uh, he'd replaced, I think, Ian Jess because Ian Jess mm. was injured or something. Um, and then, the same as everyone else, Charlie Nicholas stepping up and everyone mm. thinking he's just going to sky this. And, yeah. and he nearly did. He put it in the <laughs> top corner. Some might say it's a great finish. Others would say that it was a, it was a miss on his behalf. But um, nah, it was brilliant. Yeah, so brilliant who, who'd have been, obviously, some, some good memories in in there, you know, the eighty three as as a child, and then you know, getting to be there in the in the ninety Scottish Cup, as you you've just recalled there. So, who'd have been your kind of favourite players growing up during that period of time? Look, in the beginning, I I, I loved Peter Weir. Mm. Peter Weir was was just you know the guy. I think he was the first. I was going to say the name I had on the back of the jersey, but you never got the name. You just got the number. So I had the mm. number eleven on the back of, I remember, an old white away kit. And I'm sure the number would be like that sort of felt, sort of velvet number. Mm. And Peter Weir was just a guy who could drop his shoulder and go past the player, almost in slow motion because he wasn't quick. <laughs> so he was a real entertainer. And he used just to just put it on people's head in the box for fun. Mm. So he was probably the first one, along with um, Jim Lane. Uh, mm. I, I loved uh, Jim Layton through those years and then sort of a little bit later I really got into the sort of Dutch influence and mm. I, I thought Hans Heelhaus, uh was was the greatest and I actually I, I still think he's in the top sort of few strikers that we've ever had at the club mm. um, you know the fact that we could sign a guy who I think he went to the Euros or the World Cup as the sort of backup striker for Holland to Van mm. Basten you know it's just like amazing that he was at Aberdeen so <laughs> him and, and probably Theo Stelders Mm. Um, I used to love him as well until he probably went to Rangers. But anyway. yeah, I think you guys were pretty much spoiled for choice in terms of quality and, and and players to enjoy during that period. And certainly, you know, people of my generation and younger probably look back with a with a tinge of jealousy that some of the quality that you um, got to enjoy as well as the success. And I suppose for for you as a youngster, being able to grow up with that success 
did you maybe take it a bit for granted when you look now at the kind of barren spell that we've gone on? Absolutely. Like it was just, you know, obviously winning things for fun back in the the 80s and then even at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, getting to a cup final was just, you know, that was just something that happened every year. Um, mm. Attracting those quality players, probably spending a little bit of money on, on players as well was something that we did. Um, and definitely looking back now, it, it's something that, I, we, we took for granted. I took for granted at the time, um, mm. you know, and that's probably, which we can talk about later. Like when I, you know, when I, why my son and I, you know, made the pilgrimage, if you like, to come mm. for the, the 2017 cup final, because yeah. I sort of realized over the last 20 and 30 years that the cup finals don't come around um, very often. Yeah, definitely. And, and obviously you had to make that pilgrimage from Australia because you moved there in 1998. You did a bit of traveling. What led to Australia being your final destination? Uh, you know what? I, I just I had a bit of a sense of adventure from a, a young age. Um, I grew up on a farm and, and I almost thought there's going to be more to life than mm. this. I mean, looking back, I'd, I'd probably love to live in a farm now and get away from, <laughs> you know, things. But but as, at the time, you know, um, I thought, you know, I want to, you know, you live once and travel the world type thing. And to be honest, I was in a bit of a bad car accident, I think around sort of 96, 97. And I was pretty lucky to get out of it. And, and I sort of, sort of said from that day that I'm, I'm going to go travel and just sort of have a bit of an adventure. And 98, I came to Australia and um, I always imagined that I would go back to Scotland, but probably I was here for probably three or four years and then I realised that that I was probably going to stay here, you know. That and I did meet my wife and who is Australian, <laughs> so um, that, that sort of helped. But yeah, so since 98, I've been here. Uh, do I miss a lot of stuff in Scotland? Family, of course I do. Do I miss Aberdeen? Of course I do, but you know, now I've got a couple of kids. The, the quality of life that they have here is is exceptional, and and you know I wouldn't change that. Yeah, no, it's a, definitely a, a good lifestyle you can you can get over in Australia. And for those that maybe that are tuning into this episode and follow you on on Twitter anyway, will probably be quite jealous of that that pool you've got at, at home, especially on a, a nice hot day. It looks like a something I would be dive bombing into at the end of a day. Hundred percent. Now we put in the pool just uh, last year or the year before, and and I must admit, uh, one of my very good mates is Irish, and 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 he maintains that you know when you you're swimming in your own pool in your own backyard in Australia, you just got a little bit of a sense that you've sort of made it in life, mm. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. So yeah, no, it's 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 good fun. Yeah, it certainly looks it. But moving to Australia didn't stop you continuing your su- support for Aberdeen. How much has you know sort sort of podcasts and certainly red TV especially managed to help you keep up your support of of Aberdeen because Scottish football probably does that have as much airtime uh, compared to English football over in Australia? No, it doesn't. And look, when I first came in '98, and probably for the first five or six years, you know, you know, social media and and, and that sort of stuff mm. hadn't really hit you know which makes me sound really old um so the, the the best i sort of got actually you know used to get an international newspaper and, and you could mm. sort of 
duck into the news agent and steal a bit of a look look at that and have a bit of a read. But um, I've got to thank my sister for for uh, what she used to do for the first few years I was here. She used to send me a VHS every month, mm. and it would have like a four weeks worth of like sports scene highlights <laughs> or, or or an Aberdeen game uh, if if Aberdeen was on you know the, the TV, and it would have a whole heap of uh, clippings of the newspaper articles from the Aberdeen games. Mm. So um, she used to send that over, and I used to love receiving that and it was a real sort of you know sit there reading the articles and see how many you know points out of 10 that you know someone got or whatever mm. it was and then watch that you know that that's what you got mm. you know we take for granted now that i can wake up in the morning and either go on red tv or you can go on any sort of social media and you can see all the goals from sort of all the leagues in the world you yeah. know at a drop of a hat it wasn't like that back in the, the late 90s and the early 2000s yeah, I like how you said that no social media at that time will make you sound old. There'll be people thinking, what the hell's a VHS? Um, although I am old enough to remember that, so so don't worry. Um, but ha- have your kids kind of got the, the Aberdeen bug? Obviously, you took your son over in 2017, but do they appreciate it as much as, as you? I mean, you, you guys are all season ticket holders as uh, Western Sydney Wonders, as, as I touched on, but do they kind of appreciate the, the Aberdeen connection? Look, they do. They most definitely do because, um, because of me, but also because we've been back on a number mm. of occasions. Um, my wife is Australian, but our parents are Croatian, so so they're a bit of a, a football or a soccer mad family. And, mm. and my wife used to play um, football as well. So sorry, that side of the family is is as mad for football as I am. So. I think they, they sort of see the value and, and what football gives us. And then they obviously see their dad getting up at all hours of the morning to watch Aberdeen Motherwell on, on red TV. <laughs> and uh, they, they must, you know, to begin with, they probably think I'm crazy, but then they probably do deep down realise that it does mean something mm. uh, to me. Uh, red TV has been, been brilliant, actually, talking about what you were saying earlier, like no social media and stuff back then, but... Um, in more recent years, I've always subscribed to Red TV, mm. and um, every game I watch in full. Sometimes I feel like honoured because we get to watch as Red TV International. I get to watch mm. every game in full, home and away. Yeah. And um, you know, you guys don't get that luxury. Um, no. So, but I usually up in the middle of the night or early in the morning. If I've got to go to work, sometimes I sort of don't get up at two o'clock and watch the game, but I'll get up at six o'clock and I'll, I'll watch it before I head off to work. Mm. So Red TV's made a big difference. And, um, you know, rather than just reading the report or seeing the results, you can sort of make up your own mind for sort of what you're, you know, how they're playing and, and, and you know, and what you're seeing yourself. Yeah. But, and, uh, and the kids, look, the kids, they support Aberdeen. That's the Scottish team. Yeah. But, you know, um, my son got a jersey back yeah when we were over in 17 but he, he hasn't asked for another one since <laughs> sadly so and maybe if you if you get another trip over which we'll, we'll come on to uh, he can get he can update his collection but I suppose you'll be the, probably the only person um, supporting Aberdeen that actually enjoys 
uh, an early kickoff because it's a, a more sociable time. Well, even though it's probably about still 12, one o'clock in the morning for you, but it's a, probably a better time than than four o'clock in the morning. And you're not the only person you know that tunes into this. Uh, in, in Australia, we've got folk that listen uh, in, in Perth as well. And I think a few co- folk on the East Coast as well. But it, it really is kind of middle of the morning for, for you guys over in Australia when, when Aberdeen play. No, it is not. We, we love the 12 o'clock lunchtime kickoffs, mm. but it's got to be before the clocks change or after the clocks change. I can mm. never remember because that means it's like a 9 p.m. Saturday night kickoff. Oh. <laughs> um, so that's just like, that's a dream. Mm. Um, you know, so they're, they're, they're the best, but I realize, you know, for, for you guys over there, they're, they're <laughs> not the greatest um, and most fans sort of hate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for us, it's pretty good. But at the moment, you know, we'll, we'll be back soon. What's the Rangers game next week? I think it's... Um, it's a 7.45 kickoff in the evening. So that'll be 6.45 in the morning. So that's pretty good. Mm, that's not too um, bad. That means, yeah, get up, half past six, make a cup of tea and um, and, and go for it. Yeah. And then think of an excuse uh, to let my boss know why I won't be in in the morning. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, I suppose that's a, it's a good, well, I'd say it could be a good way to start the day, but um, you never know. But kind of ties in nicely because I want to speak about your, your trip home uh, in, in 2017. We touched on it earlier, that the pilgrimage, as we want to, to call it, when you decided to come home for the 2017 Scottish Cup final, but you also took in a couple of games prior to that, uh, a trip to Ibrox and a trip to Fir Hill for uh, the Park Thistle game. Um, I can't remember if it was myself or, or you and Duffy that helped you out with with tickets for that game at Ibrox, but I remember meeting you and your son at, at the Rock pre-match and and going to the game, and you were in the you were in the front row, uh, the the way end at Ibrox had the, the Australian flag out, and that must have been some night because that was the night that Aberdeen finally ended that long-awaited hoodoo of of getting a win at Ibrox goals from Graham Shinney and Ryan Christie. What was that like, firstly, for you? You know, going back and, and taking in a game, but what must have that been like for your son as well, experiencing Scottish football for the, the first time? Look, it was for me. Firstly, it was you know amazing. You know, um, we actually arrived. I think it was a Wednesday night game, and we arrived on the Wednesday morning. So mm. we were sort of sort of a bit jet lagged, but off we went to Ibrox for the for the Wednesday night. But um, sort of leading up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd sort of realised that the Scottish Cup final doesn't come around every uh, very often, and um, yeah, we managed. I managed to persuade the wife um, that that Jamie and I could come for the final, and and um, you know the dollar was pretty favourable at that point. Mm-hmm. The flights weren't too bad, so we came across, and I put a couple of posts on social media because uh, I think I was trying to buy tickets I think f- from the club and they're saying oh you're not in that category yet you're going to mm. have to wait you're obviously panicking that you're spending all this money on flights but um, it was actually through yourself uh, that got us tickets for Ibrox because yeah. I put it out there for tickets uh, for Ibrox and yeah I remember meeting you at the pub and you know my son's just toddling along What's he's, he's 15 now so what would he have been back then so he would have been like 11 Hmm. And got into Ibrox and uh, taking pictures with the Aussie flag, sorry, before many people arrived. And then 
because we'd sort of spoken to you and, and a few of the other boys, then people just started to come up to us and sort of recognised us from social media. And it was sort of, how are you going, wee man? How are you going, wee man? And my son's like, wee man, but dad, you tell me I'm big for my age. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, it was just all right, wee man. And, yeah. you know, that was the whole thing for the whole trip. But for me, just a lot of the time when we go to Parkhead and Ibrox, it, it doesn't end well, you know, yeah. but... When it ends well, when you're in that little corner in those stadiums surrounded by 50,000 of the opposition fans, they are the best victories. Mm. You know, when you're in that small minority and, and that corner singing and dancing and celebrating um, after all the Rangers mm. fans leave, that's the best bit when we get <laughs> locked in and, and singing the songs. Uh, and I've still got it on my phone. I don't mm. know, you've, you've probably seen it. Because I think someone from the other end of the stadium video oh, was yeah. saying mm-hmm. 10 men went to Mo. And I've still got it. And it's still brilliant. You know, I still bring it out and show people when I've had too many beers and sort of talk <laughs> about that trip. And see, we were there. We were there, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just, just magic. Because, you know, I don't remember going to Ibrox and winning too many times. No. And, and what was that like for, for Jamie then as, as an experience of, of Scottish football for the first time? Is it something he still talks about as well? Yeah, he, he just, uh, I think at the time he sort of takes it for granted that mm. his team wins, you know, because uh, Western Sydney Wanderers have, have, were going pretty well back then and he's a Manchester United fan and, and they tend to win a fair bit. So it was sort of for granted. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll win. But, you know, looking back, he does talk about this sort of atmosphere and he remembers that I think we got, we were sort of seated in the middle. Mm. And then I went, yeah, this is going to be too crazy. So we went down the front. But as uh, Shinny scored, obviously everyone piled down the, yeah. the aisle to the front. And we were right at the front. And mm-hmm. I've suddenly had to pick him up and sort of hold him as everyone's piling across the little brick wall or through the gate mm. onto the, the, the ash. And, um, yeah, he got pretty scared. <laughs> and he sort of freaked out a little bit at that. We sort of moved over to the other mm. side and then I think the next goal went in. <laughs> it's all a bit crazy, but, um, and he was maybe a bit scared at one point, but you know, I'm sure, you know, he was a living and he was old enough and he mm. still remembers. And, yeah. um, you know, he, that trip for him was, was, was amazing, you mm. know. Um, we obviously we, we did the two out of three but we couldn't quite get the trifecta unfortunately yeah unfortunately not but on that trip as well you did manage to, to meet a few of the players outside Patodre at the time is that is that right was that on that trip yeah yeah we actually so, so we went to Ibrox and, and we won and then um, actually at the Pat- Patek Thistle game where, mm-hmm. where I think I saw you as well and you yeah. gave me my tickets to the final, which yeah. which which Ewan um, managed to to source for me. Um, actually, at the Partick Thistle game, um, I think it was at half time or something. Niall McGinn and Graham Shinney, because they were on the bench because it was the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. They were being sort of safe, so they were down the front. And um, I took my son down, and he got his jersey signed, which is quite unusual in Scotland. I know the players then tend not to sort of do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got his jersey signed and stuff and Shinny was talking to us and actually at the final whistle of that game, Shinny didn't actually come on but as soon as the final whistle went, he, he took his tracksuit top off and took his jersey off and he wandered over and he waved my son down 
and I gave his jersey to my son and I quickly ran over <laughs> and managed to borrow a pen and he actually wrote best wishes Graham Shinney on his jersey oh, and gave it to my son. So that was brilliant. And that's still, you know, we've still got that framed mm-hmm. uh, at home. But Johnny Hayes it was, so he hit us up on social media and, and said mm-hmm. something and, and must have seen one of the tweets that went out. And um, he said to me, look, if you're up at Pataudry, and it was a couple of days before the cup final, uh, he goes, I'll let you know when we're coming out to go to training. Mm. And we actually, there was no game, but we drove up to Pataudry to go to the club shop and and, and spend, you know, a small fortune as, as you do. <laughs> uh, but he basically was tweeting me that morning saying, it'll probably be about 10 o'clock. Uh, actually, it's probably looking about 10.30. And, <laughs> and I was like at Dundee at the time. So mm. I had to put my foot down to get to Pataudry. <laughs> and we're just standing out the front. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, within sort of 10 minutes, you know, Johnny came out, said hello, took a picture, signed some autographs. And before you knew it, all the boys came out and, and Derek uh, came out and, and yeah, had a chat to Jamie and myself for a few minutes. And uh, that was brilliant. And Jamie is like, yeah, cool. But I was <laughs> like, you know, close to tears. Just just the fact that you could get this close to the players and they'd sort of arranged that. So that was, you know, that was just amazing. Yeah, it was a kind of sense of what the club can do, the, the good that, you know, not everyone maybe hears about from the club. Um, you know, little little small touches that, that might not seem significant, but to someone like yourself mean the absolute world. Yeah, it's massive. Like like what Johnny did, like, and, and Johnny was my, my son's favourite player. And actually that day we he got the, the, the Hayes um, jersey, and uh, wore it to the cup final. And then, mm. of course, in that off-season, um, he left to go to mm. Celtic. <laughs> and then I think Johnny said that he would refund anyone that bought the new jersey. <laughs> so I contacted Aberdeen, and, and you know what they did? And, and they actually they said, don't worry about sending, probably I shouldn't say this, but don't worry about sending <laughs> the old jersey back. We'll just send you another one. And they actually paid for the package, and they sent me a brand new jersey. Um, I think he got shinny on at that time. <laughs> <laughs> then he left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he sent that, uh, Aberdeen sent that over. So so that's, yeah, that's the stuff that the club do um, yeah. and, and players do. And, you know, as much as Johnny Hayes is, is a big name, but, you know, he still sort of reaches out and does that sort of stuff, which is brilliant. Yeah, no, definitely. And I suppose we should, as much as we probably don't want to, we should touch on that that cup final. Um, we won't we won't go into it too much. But what what did it mean for you? You know, being back and and going to that final with with your son, as you said. You know, we, we hadn't been at a Scottish Cup final for for a good while. How special was that for you? Look, because I remember the the ninety cup final so vividly when we won on penalties, and and I. I think that was the that was the next time we were in the final, isn't it? We hadn't been in the final since there was the one in two thousand, the Scottish Cup final. Then, ah, uh, yeah, uh, okay. No, I wasn't back for that. But yeah, from ninety, um, yeah, just just going in down to Hamden and 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 sort of soaking up the atmosphere out the front of Hamden uh, on Cup final day is just. You know, there's nothing quite like it. You know, mm. I think um, um, English football obviously gets a lot in Australia, but at the moment, because it's been the FA Cup rounds, uh, mm-hmm. there is a lot of traditional people in England that talk about the FA Cup. And I, 
And, you know, there was a period there that, that wasn't as valued, but I think that's coming back. And I'm really happy to see that um, for the FA Cup. But for the mm-hmm. Scottish Cup, it is really, it, it's amazing. And to go to Hamden with my son and, and, and actually we were hanging out the front of the stadium taking pictures and, and who did we bump into? But Theo Stelters oh, was wow. there. So I got a quick picture with him and an autograph with him as well. And, um, yeah, that was amazing to be there with my son with great seats there I'm going to admit it you know the emotion got the better of me when the teams walked out and we mm-hmm. had that magnificent display um, yeah. which I've actually got framed on on my wall mm-hmm. yeah um, it you know the tears were streaming down my face you know as, as we're sort of singing and, and the players are walking out mm. you know he couldn't see anything because he was trying to see past all those <laughs> red foil flags yeah. you know most of us couldn't see much yeah. um but that was just electric and and to go so close was mm. was was so heartbreaking and of yeah. course to to lose it to a bloody aussie um <laughs> was was very ironic and, and a lot of people back here you know uh, reminded me of that because I've got a lot of mates who are Celtic fans. A lot of Aussies are Celtic fans mm. because of the sort of Viduka connection back mm. in the day. So yeah. uh, they remind me of, of that day. You went all the way back and, and you know, an Aussie undid you. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that made made it all the more painful. Um, but you did also, I just want to quickly touch on the trip you did in, in 2019 because we've just touched on, well, you've touched on there about how Johnny Hayes reached out to you um, with that personal touch, but but Eileen Shinney, um, many fans might know her as part of the supporters engagement team. Um, I don't think I was formed at the time when you came back in in nineteen, but she reached out to you uh, on your last trip home, and you actually managed to get a, a tour of Pataudry as well. So just another kind of kind gesture that the club managed to to sort out for you and your family, because it was a, a family trip home this time. It wasn't just you and your son. Yeah, no, it was. Look, sometimes I feel more fortunate than, you know, and, um, than some of the Aberdeen fans probably back there. But, yeah, 2019, I was a, a, as a DNA member. Mm. Um, you know, I think the DNA members were given a bit of a tour or you could go into the tunnel and see your name in the tunnel. But obviously I couldn't make the date that I was <laughs> given you know, to go. But I, I think I emailed and said, look, I'm coming back on these dates. I'm going to attend the Hearts game and... Um, I think maybe the Hearts game was the only game at Pataudry in 19 and um, I said there's any chance I can duck in and, and see my my name in the tunnel and before you know it um, yeah I was contacted and and you know um, they they arranged for me to get a tour with uh, Dave and, and Andrew um, mm. Shiny uh, we had a tour of the stadium um and um, you know, through the dressing rooms and stuff, and it was it was brilliant. Um, it was funny actually. It was just my son and I, uh, but we already had bought tickets in the South Stand. Mm. And my daughter, who was well, she maybe ten or eleven back then, she she obviously really wanted to for me to sit next to her at that game. But the Andrew and uh, David actually arranged for my son and I to sit next to them. Oh yeah, on red TV, mm-hmm. not to do any sort of commentary, but to sit up next to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, you'll sit next to us, and I was like, "I've actually can my wife and daughter come?" They're like, "Nah, there's not enough space, unfortunately." Mm. You know, so I actually knocked them back to go and sit <laughs> with my my daughter and my wife in the south stand. But um, look, they were brilliant, and and actually um, through 
um, Aline and uh, the, the Dave, they actually, uh, after I was back in Australia, they sent me a signed program or they sent my son a signed mm. program from, from that game. So, oh, okay. yeah, just, just, just <clears throat> another thing that the, the club did. They, they mm. recognised um, myself making the trip back mm. and then I th- I think they see the value and what then I'll carry forward, and you yeah. know what I, you know, I'm talking to you about it today. But I, I talk to people in Australia about some of this stuff, you know, all the time, and and spread that word for Aberdeen. Mm. I mean, all my mates down here, you know, they follow English football or they follow, you know, Spanish football. They don't really follow Scottish, or they didn't until they no. met me. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you now, when they open their phone in the morning, they look at you know, live score or foot mob or something. They look for the Aberdeen score mm. and, and they follow Aberdeen and they often sorry, will message me, you know, before I know the score uh, <laughs> to say, oh, good win or I see you're unlucky, you know. And yeah. Spoiler you know, alert if you haven't watched the game. <laughs> uh, if, I'm, if I haven't seen watched the game, my phone is not even on vibrate. It's on complete <laughs> silent. I don't even look at it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you've got to love those spoiler alerts. Yeah. And I suppose, well, the reason that I, I got you on the podcast was to to speak about the A League and on Australian football as we've seen recently the kind of Australian influence kind of growing back into Scottish football with Hearts as we touched on at the start, um, you know making a couple of signings from the A League, but but Alan, just how much has the the A League grown and changed you know since you moved over to Australia? Look, when I moved in '98. You know, football was probably the number five sport. And look, to be honest, it's, it's far from the number one now. But back then, it was, it was quite sort of community-based. It was quite sort of ethnic-based. Um, the old sort of National Soccer League was full of teams that, you know, there was an Italian team from Sydney and an Italian mm. team from Melbourne. And there was a Croatian team and a Maltese team and a Macedonian team. And, you know, I tried to follow it. And, and I did go to... Um, some games but you know all the fans were sort of chanting in their sort of own language and mm. you, you didn't really get that connection yeah um, and, and it felt sort of quite look obviously the way Football Australia or, or, or the Federation Football Australia what they felt was that it was never going to grow into you know the number one sport or close to the number of sport if it stayed the way it was so mm. they decided I think it's in 20, 2004 they introduced the A-League that we know now and they sort of took a lot of those teams away. Um, they went back to the sort of state-level football and um, they introduced the A-League. So there was sort of like, we're going to put one team in Sydney, one team in mm. Perth, one team in Melbourne, etc. cetera. Uh, obviously, they've built it a little bit now and we've now got three teams in Sydney. Mm. Um, but it's it's changed a lot. And in 2004, with the introduction to the A-League was was massive mm-hmm. um, but then in 2006 I feel was another turning point when Australia qualified for the World Cup in Germany yeah. and that was the first time in a generation I think the first time since 1974 that Australia had qualified for the World Cup mm-hmm. um, so so suddenly you know the the Vidukas and the Kuehls and even like Craig Moore uh, type thing, you know, these guys were suddenly household names in mm. Australia. Um, and the World Cup sort of then took it to the next level. 
And, and, and since then, you know, we've managed to keep qualifying for the World Cup, which is lucky for me because I always <laughs> seem to have a team in the World Cup. <laughs> you know, here's hoping next year we'll, we'll have Scotland as well. But Yeah, fingers crossed. That'll be, fingers be good to see. Because um, I know Australia, you know, they're in a tough qualification group with, with Saudi and, and Japan as well. So a bit tight at the moment for for them but it'd be nice if both teams can get there in in december give us something to look forward to before christmas it would be brilliant it would be brilliant and, but, and, uh, yeah and how does the standard of football in australia compare in your opinion to that of the football over here in scotland you know bt show games um now from from australia so there is exposure to the UK market of the A-League football but as someone that's obviously witnessed both Scottish football and Australian football and as I I touched on earlier you do some coaching there how do you feel the two kind of match up? The style of football is is quite similar on the whole in terms of it's it's a physical league Mm. Um, you have to be you know fit and and you know the sort of smaller sort of Leaner sort of players don't always succeed. You know, um, Celtic had that really good young player. Um, what's his name? Come back to me. And uh, Azani, mm. Azani. It was at Celtic, but never quite made it. He did get a bit of an injury, but um, he he was a sort of smaller, sort of dribbling style player, um, and and he probably didn't sort of uh, make it at Celtic, and I think he's gone to Belgium now, but. It's a physical league. Um, I would say the A League is probably around the sort of bottom half of the Scottish Premier League, maybe mm. the sort of higher end of the Championship. So, you know, from your, dare I say, sort of St Mirren, sort type St Johnston, uh, Inverness, you know, Killy, those sort of teams. That's mm. that's I think around the the standard, in my opinion. Yeah. I think if Aberdeen were in the Australian A League, I think. Uh, I think we'd get all the way and go all the way to the grand final, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, is that is that kind of a, a weird setup though, having a league? I suppose it's kind of similar like America. Even if you finish number one in the league, you've still got to get to a grand final to, to win the trophy. It is. It's, you know, I've kind of accepted that's just the way it is. But um, yeah, like the Western Sydney Wanderers in their inaugural season, they actually finished what they call as a minor premiers or they won the premier play. Mm. They finished top of the league and they won the league by some way. And um, But, you know, they get a sort of literally a, a silver plate mm. um, and that's it. The actual winner of the season is the grand final winner. Yeah. And um, it's usually the top six or even sometimes the top eight, I think, that play yeah. off. And, and Wanderers went through that season and got to the grand final and lost. Mm. Um, so, so that sort of winning of the Premier's plate, you know, I remember it, but but it, it's not really noted in history. It's the winning yeah. of the grand final. So yeah. it's really unusual and, and it follows all the way down into youth and kids football as well. You know, that's that's the way they operate. You know, it's a top four usually system or a top six. Um, so so most teams are just happy to get in there and then, and then sort of push for the finals after that. Yeah, it's kind of a format, as I said, is more maybe recognised in the MLS or rugby league over here or the NRL 
um, yeah. in, in Australia, which is which was a sport that was great during the the first lockdown, as it seemed to be the only sport that was getting getting shown. <laughs> so when the wee man was getting up at the small hours of the morning, I wasn't too busy complaining, so I would just go downstairs and, and chuck on the the NRL. So it was that was fun, but. On, on Australian football, obviously you've compared the standards, but the passion off the pitch seems to be maybe on a, a different level from that here in Scotland. For those of you that are maybe watching on YouTube, once you've hit that subscribe button and, and finished this this video, you can check out COPA90, the Derby Day segment that they do. Um, we spoke to Alan about that pre-recording and they did a segment on the, the Sydney Derby, a, a game that I'm sure you've taken in many a time, Alan. Obviously that the recent fixture back in November ended in a, in a nil-nil draw, but it came across as a very passionate match from from both sets of, of fans is that just because it's a derby or is there a lot of passion in the stands week in week out in Australia there, there is a lot of passion um, I think from the offset every every team essentially has established like a, a active support mm. you know it's sort of what they call so the Wanderers have got the, the RBB which is a red and black block uh, Sydney have got the Cove and, and and so on. Every team's got an active support. So um, when you go on to buy a ticket, you can just buy a ticket for the active support area. Mm. And then it's expected that you're going to stand and you're going to sing for 90 minutes. And if you don't, they'll make sure you know that you you know, you know don't come back there, you know. Mm. And at the front, and it's all organised, at the front there's a bit, little bit of scaffolding with a, a capo and a, and a megaphone mm -hmm. there who basically, um, you know, is the, the sort of conductor, you know, saying what song yeah. they're going to sing and when they're going to sing it and when they're going to stop. So if uh, virtually every club's got that. Mm -hmm. um, also, what I like is is when you when you go to an away game. So so say, you know, we went up to Central Coast to watch Wanderers v Central Coast Mariners recently. And um, when you go online to buy your tickets, you can buy a, an away ticket or you can buy an active away ticket, mm. you know. So it, it's a little bit like, I guess, you know, we've got the red shed now, the tawdry, yeah. and it's almost like, say we went to um, Easter Road, it would be like if you buy a ticket in this bay, you mm. can stand up and sing. If you don't mm. want to stand up and sing or you're bringing your family, you can sit in this bay. Mm. And, you know, the fact alcohol was served in, in grounds in Australia sort of helps, you know. It does mean you get a bit of a, a beer sure when there's a goal scored <laughs> and that sort of stuff. But um, I think having that as a foundation helps. Um, and then I think because a lot of football fans in Australia maybe come from Scotland or the UK or they mm. come from another European country or they, they come from a a country where sort of football is in the blood and it's a bit of a religion. So yeah. they don't really follow the rugby league or the AFL. Mm. And and they say, well, we don't want to just go there and, and, and sort of clap and say, well done and have one chant. We want it to be like a European style atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So they work really hard at it. Um, and I think in general that there is a lot of passion on the, on the, on the sideline and, and there's most definitely um, sort of singing for 90 minutes whether it's you know you've got the likes of Central Coast who might only average you know a few thousand uh, per mm. game but there'll still be a section of those fans singing uh, for 90 minutes uh, yeah. which is brilliant the, the, the way 
you know, the tickets maybe done in Australia is something that the clubs over here should look at. I know certainly from from away games, you know, I'm involved in the supporters club myself and supporters clubs tend to be sapped together at away games. But it would maybe be good. You know, I remember like cup finals, it was if you want to be in this section, be in this certain blocks, that's kind of the expected area for it. Like you touched on there, standing and, and singing. But uh, the likes of Easter Road, we, we never see anything like that. And it would potentially help create a better atmosphere. Um, again, Redshed, we're seeing that this season, a good um, vocal home support um which has been a rarity in, in seasons gone by. But again, it's maybe something that for those that aren't joining in, um, they're not exactly told off for it like they would be over in Australia. But it's certainly something that's growing here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Red Shed develops over the coming few seasons. Now, seeing the Red Shed has, has been brilliant. And even my son who, who, who commented you know, before, because he's been, remembers the odd game at Pataudry, as well and um, he commented and said oh that's great dad because that, that's what they need because he never mm. knew whether it was coming from the upper Richard Donald or the south stand or, yeah. or where it was coming from so having the red shed is brilliant and, and look I'd say probably the next level is to to um, try and get some sort of capo or something mm. I don't know if that's on the cards or that's okay. possible it's too American but it really does sort of help to have someone to sort of uh, coordinate it. What also helps is most active supports like the RBB, they'll have their sort of own club appointed sort of security, so mm. sort of liaison officers. So they try not get the police to sort of go directly to, to them if there's trouble. They'll yeah. try and police themselves with their mm. own sort of uh, club, um, I don't know, the volunteers or the paid sort of security. So that's mm. a pretty good idea. As well, look. It doesn't mean he said there's not trouble. And if yeah. you watch that copper, copper video, that there, there has been a lot of trouble with active mm-hmm. support in the past, and um, the police came down pretty heavy-handed, and and so did the authorities, and they sort of banned people for life for letting off flares and stuff like mm. that. So um, that's something that I think has to sort of change. Um, but I think there's some stuff that can be learned from from what we do down here. That can help build the atmosphere at Petaudry, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, from speaking to some of the, the folk involved in the Red Shed, they need a bit more help from the club or the club need to be a bit more forthcoming and willing to listen to, to those fans' ideas as kind of you've touched on maybe the likes of the, the cap or the, the main ones being to have the banners down the front and it be fan banners, not these corporate banners that they've plastered over yeah. the, the seats instead. But, you know, the... The, the club are going in the right direction. It's not perfect, but but we're getting there slowly, but surely. But on on Australia itself, as I said, you know, we're we're seeing that Aussie influence coming back into Scottish football with Ange Postacoglu um, taking over at Celtic and Hearts recent signings in Cami Devlin and Nathaniel Atkinson coming in from the A-League. Is there any names out there that, that Aberdeen could be maybe looking at over in Australia? Is that market, you know, Cammy Devlin came in and had had a bit of an impact at heart. We've seen Tom Rogic over recent years, Martin Boyle, if you want to to call him an, an Aussie. Um, he's certainly He'd never had, been to Australia until no. the, the recent game down here. He was like, oh, this is Australia. Yeah. It was like, uh, it was like, um, 
Richie when uh, he was picked for Scotland and he the first time he ever went to Scotland was his first training camp with with a team. But you know there are Aussie players. You you touched on Mark Baduka, Aberdeen have had David Zadrilich as well. So there have yeah. been Aussies in Scottish football. But are are there any um, up and coming Aussies that maybe Aberdeen could look at? Again, we mentioned that that new signing from America that was looking to Europe as a as his best kind of way of developing. Do you think there's many Aussies that that look at Europe in the in the same fashion? Look, definitely, the, the, there is a lot of talent down here, and and sorry, what I just mentioned to you, maybe sort of pre pre recording, we were talking about mm. how actually in Australia uh, we have a salary cap system, so the average sorry player down here probably gets paid about I think it's about £1,200 or the equivalent of about £1,200 a week. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have marquee players and you can have Australian marquees and you can have international marquees. Um, you know, at the moment we've got, I think uh, Daniel Sturridge is here at the moment. Mm-hmm. I've always probably not played at the top level for some time, but okay. he's at Perth, Perth Glory. But in the past, we've had some from decent players, obviously, including sort of Dwight York, Robbie Fowler and stuff and, and Alessandro Del Piero. Mm-hmm. But for the, the young Australians, when they sort of hit, you know, we do have um, sort of, I think they call them scholarship contracts where they don't get paid a lot of money. But then when they reach sort of 19 and 20 and they get signed as a, as a full player as part of the sort of 26-man squad, mm. they're getting about £1,000 a week. So um, they are looking to go to Asia or, or Europe or even the Middle East. Europe's yeah. most definitely the preference. And... Um, mm. Given the physicality of the Australian league and probably Australians in general as being a fairly sort of physical sort of fit sort of nation. Yeah. Um, I'm Scottish, not Australian. <laughs> uh, then I think it'd suit the physical game of Scotland. You know, mm-hmm. there's a young guy at Newcastle. Um, I know, I actually don't know, he's, he's a Sudanese sort of... Uh, migrant. His parents came here uh, from Sudan, and, and and we got a lot of sort of refugees that come through here from from those African countries. And and um, uh, what's his name again? I, I think I wrote it down. Uh, Valentino Valentino Yule is his mm. name. Plays for Newcastle. He's a big sort of forward type sort of winger, and um, sort of a bit like in the mold of dare I say, like sort of um, Eugene Daddy mm. uh, back in the day, but but. But sorry, leaner and, and much quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've got a bit of flair and really direct. And I'm telling you, if Aberdeen came in tomorrow, they'd pick him up for peanuts and mm. and and give him you know some wages. And you got nothing to lose, you know. Uh, this guy, you know, Atkinson and uh, Devlin, who's gone from Melbourne City to to Hearts. I mean, I don't I don't think Hearts would have paid a transfer fee. Mm. Um, if, if you know very very little, you know most most Scottish clubs apart from Rangers and Celtic are not paying transfer fees really at the moment. So, and and their wages would would not be be great. So, what have you got to lose? You know, mm-hmm. rather than signing a sort of thirty three year old journeyman from League Two or League One in England, you know, sign someone who's twenty, who who's got a bit of potential from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know we've got. Um, Valentino that I mentioned, Western Sydney Wanderers have got a really good sort of central midfielder, uh, Keanu Bacchus. Mm. Um, physical, athletic, a little bit like in the sort of 
Kenny McLean type mould, a real sort of footballing centre midfielder, can play deep, can play can play ten, uh, has got a shot on him. Uh, sort of gets around the sort of I think he was in the Olympic team for Australia. There's been rumours of him getting a move to Europe, but but it's never happened. And you know why not? Why not Aberdeen? I mean, I don't know. If we have any sort of scouting network that mm. comes to Australia, but well, the way we're going just now, we seem to be signing anybody that plays in midfield. So he might might find himself with a plane ticket over to Aberdeen. Yeah, I don't know. Are we going for the sort of three six one formation or something? I'm not sure. No, but even you know to t- touch on kind of what you said about you know in terms of the, the kind of league comparison, we have seen players going over from Scotland to America at. Australia even saw it like Eugene Daddy he had a time over in Australia with Kenny Miller more recently as a similar with Graham Dorans although I know he's now back in, in Scotland yeah. so the, these players are going over and you know doing a job in Australia and then and then coming back so there's no reason why uh, Aberdeen shouldn't be looking abroad and I, I totally agree with the, the point you make you know there was question marks around this this guy from America oh you know it's you know, just out of college, we don't know anything about him, but I'd rather sign somebody that we can develop and and make into, you know, good money like we're doing Calvin Ramsey, Lewis Ferguson, than sign, to to quote you, a a journeyman that's, you know, played the leagues down in England and may struggle when they they come up to Scotlanders looking for one last payday, get someone that's coming in to, to, to prove themselves. Yeah, like, you know, these guys, these journeymen, we have to pay good wages to mm. get them. And, and sometimes we're paying a couple of hundred thousand maybe in a transfer. And I just think, I mean, I, I don't want to get into names, but I mean, how many of them could you say have been successful? You know, very few. Mm-hmm. I think let's take a punt. You know, this guy, you know, as you said, coming from America, got nothing to lose. We, we haven't paid anything, I don't think, for him. He's probably not on, you know, huge money. What have we got to lose? You know, if it doesn't work out over in a sort of eighteen month spell, he goes back. But if it does work out, all of a sudden, you know, yeah, you've got another Calvin or something like that who who we're going to get a few years out of, mm-hmm. um, maybe win us a cup or or get us into the group stages in Europe, and um, and then we can sell on for a bit of money. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, like, there's other players like on on Calvin. I mean, if if we get good money for Calvin and he if, and he goes. Western Sydney Wanderers have got two cracking young Australian right backs, um, uh, Trent Russell, and um, I'll think of the other guy's name in a second. And um, the, 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 I think they're nineteen and twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, they, they'd be a perfect uh, replacement, you know, for for, for Calvin, and, and and at very sort of low risk, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So I, I think. You know, as I said, if, if if Mr. Cormac's listening, you know, uh, I'm available to to scout. Um, my percentage is is very very small. You know, <laughs> I suppose you uh, you've got first hand experience doing coaching uh, over in Sydney as well, so you can see the the talent coming through. Yeah, I've been coaching for the last sort of ten years in Sydney, and and um, I coach um, in the city of New South Wales rep level. Um, so my son actually plays at, at, at the same club, but in a different team. And he, he, he um, it's it's competitive. It's, it's as I said, it's very physical. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, the more physical players exceed. There is elements of obviously, you know, skill as there is in every league, and there has to be because 
you know, Australia also has a South American influence and a Spanish mm. influence. So there is that, that, you know, very big on on ball control and ball possession and that sort of type style. Yeah. You know, that's everywhere. But but still, in general, it, it's a physical game in Australia, and and I mm. really think then that suits you know, the players from the young Australians coming and, and being successful in Scotland. You know, I probably wouldn't say the same as of of, of Uruguay or Argentina. Mm. You'd think those 17-year-olds coming into the Scottish League probably may be less successful, you know. Yeah. Um, but definitely young Australians would, would, would have a real crack at it, I think, and, and uh, would have a good chance of making it. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to hear that there is, you know, talent pool there and there's you know potential to you don't want to call them cheap uh talent but uh talent that we could get that would fit into Aberdeen's budget uh, I suppose is a, is a politer way of, of putting it and and players that would come looking to not only develop but with points to prove that they can compete at, at a higher or the highest level yeah I think um you know I, Affordable players, I think, mm. is a, and 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 low risk. You know, signing a, a journeyman and a two-year contract on sort of five or six thousand pounds a week, if, if if we are, you know, it's 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 high risk. You could sign three young Aussies, you know, yeah. um, for that sort of money, and you know, for relatively low risk, you know. Mm. And uh, my son's only fifteen, but he will be available in a couple of years' time. <laughs> <laughs> he comes with digs as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, the wee man's got his first football lesson uh, on, on Saturday morning, so that's his journey to the Aberdeen Academy officially beginning, or, or so I'm, or so I'm saying. But uh, oh, you're obviously nice. looking to come back, uh, you know, to Aberdeen for for another trip, not not necessarily moving back. That's you're hoping that to be the end of this year, is that right? Yeah, I think. Look, obviously, you know, um, this thing called COVID um, <laughs> has sort of put pay to any trip last year and, and normally maybe around this time actually um, we would have been back three years uh, ago at the moment um, so probably we're, we're penciled in a trip around September October mm-hmm. um, my son's football season and, and sort of my football season finishes at the end of September um, so looking to take off after that um, for the month of October mm. that's the plan so visiting uh, mum and dad and, and brother and sister down the, the central belt and then getting up to uh, some games at Petorgi or, or, or whatever it may be mm-hmm. um, at that time. That that's the plan. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be good. Hopefully, uh, everything pending, you you can get back across and get another chance chance to to see Aberdeen. But Alan, it's been a pleasure having you on Red Tinted Glasses. Um, today hearing about your experiences with Aberdeen but also over in Australia and that it's a market that shouldn't necessarily be ignored by Aberdeen No, most definitely not I think um, you know it's great to see us casting the net into America um, Mm -hmm. but I don't think there's no reason why we shouldn't be casting that net into Australia as well and uh, you know I really do think that uh, there's some real talent down here who who who, who most definitely could could make it at Aberdeen. Yeah, no, definitely, and uh, enjoy your Wednesday morning cup of tea watching the watching the game. We'll hope for a positive outcome. Most definitely, yeah. Look, it's um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting after the sort of bit of a bit of a, a layoff for the 
winter break slash mm-hmm. sorry, COVID drop. But um, it's a tough first game back. But I guess we've got nothing to lose. And look, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an advocate for the change. You know, I, I think we changed at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, changing from Derek, I, I think, you know, uh, not before. I think now was the right time. We got yeah. a little bit stale. I think under Stephen Glass, we're certainly playing more attractive football. Mm-hmm. Um, I find mostly, I say yeah. mostly, um, and and it's it's sort of a little bit less predictable. Um, but you know the score lines are a little bit up and down. The results are a little bit up and down, which is frustrating. But certainly mm-hmm. we're a little bit easier on the eye in some of the football that we can play, mm-hmm. um, and the possession-based football is is very very good. I, I just hope that. You know, we can keep most of the squad together and build mm. on that for next year and, and the club sort of maintain the investment. Um, and then the second half of the season, I hope we can really go and, and push hearts and take that third spot. I, I think there's no reason. I think uh, we've got some good foundation. It might depend on the transfer window, but mm. that's probably a discussion for another day. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a it's a fair point. I kind of agree with what you've said there about the change, the style, and kind of building not only towards the end of this season and the kind of aspirations in terms of third place, but also building for the future. And I think it'll be interesting this window. Obviously, there's still some transfer speculation that, that me and Callum have touched on in that that first half of of the show today, but also kind of into the summer if the likes of Ramsey and Ferguson don't leave in January, then what? where do we go in terms of replacements and how do we build for the, the future in terms of Stephen Glass putting his own stamp on this this team? And it, yeah, it's, it'll be one to watch, that's for, that's for sure. Yeah, most definitely one for watch and one to watch. And, um, you know, I think he knows what he wants and I think we just have to trust him. I think mm-hmm. giving him sort of one year is not enough. We have to sort of believe that he's the right person for two years. I think he's got some amazing results. We've scored some great goals, playing some good football. And, and I think um, he's a little bit worried with the defence of the sort of earlier in the season. You know, I always mm-hmm. think that, that, that a good team's built upon uh, two centre-halves and a goalkeeper. Um, there was two guys, you know, McLeish and Miller and Leighton, and it was a goalkeeper. You might remember them. Yeah. You know, I, I still maintain that's the foundation of any good team. And, and mm. we sort of don't have that even quite at the moment, but it's mm. certainly better than what it was in August and September. Bates seems to have settled in a little bit more. Yeah. Gallagher's been a little bit disappointing. I, I, I was hoping for more from him because I think if he was better, then possibly McCrory might be some of the answer for midfield. Mm. Um, I think he's been, a, been been very good this season, but um, I, I think he could probably be even better in midfield. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely. You know, give Glass a chance. Let's see what happens. Um, you know, but we will need some money in the bank, I think, before we can go and spend. And uh, but it'll be interesting to see what Fergie does and Calvin does anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I can I echo that thoughts as well about the the reinvestment. Hopefully, any money from the the sales is reinvested into the playing squad. Um, I know obviously we've got to look after the the, the bank balance given the, the hit that we took during COVID, but it would be nice to see some of that money at least reinvested into the, the playing squad. But obviously, there seems to be a kind of vision in terms of player development. Um, 
from certainly youth players, but you'd need to balance that off with a bit of experience as well, I feel. Yeah, definitely. But I think coming like the Brown, like Scott Brown and Ramirez, I think um, is has done that. So, I mean, hopefully maybe we can continue that. He probably hoped Gallagher was going to do something mm. similar. So that was the spine. Um, you know, maybe he'll still come. Um, yeah, hopefully they can reinvest on a couple of key players. And then you know maybe top it up with some 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 Aussie talent. Yeah. And I'm happy to to send uh, prepare a bit of a, a list yeah. and send it through to to Stephen. Yeah, um, I won't do it on VHS. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to sort of do a zip file and send it over. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but it's available on VHS if he wants. Oh, I'll, I'll I'm hopefully he'll be tuning in as well as Dave Cormack <laughs> this episode just to hear your scouting report. But Alan, as I said, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, catching up with you first and foremost but also um, chatting to you about as I said that your look back down memory lane uh, and also the life in Australia and the, and the A-League as well so thank you very much for for joining me on Red Tinted Glasses Thank you Glenn really appreciate it and um, um, yeah very happy to 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 to, to be here and um, yeah um, I'll be continuing to watch afar and cheering on the Reds down under Perfect. Take care. Well, thanks very much there to Alan for his contribution to the episode. And Callum, thanks very much to you as well. After a few weeks off, I think that went not too bad. Yeah, I felt a little bit rusty to start with, but I feel like I warmed up towards the end of the episode, getting my match sharpness back there. Yeah, well, we're certainly going to be match sharp come the end of January as there's going to be loads of episodes coming thick and fast to you either via audio or via video content on YouTube. So wherever you're tuning in to Red Tinted Glasses today, make sure you hit that subscribe button to get notified of any future episodes coming out and follow us on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast.